This recording is intended to be used as an educational resource for healthcare providers. It is in no way a substitute for the independent decision making and judgment of a qualified healthcare professional. It should not be used to make a diagnosis or to overrule the advice of a qualified healthcare provider, nor should it be used to provide advice for emergency medical treatment. Hand Hygiene by Deb Morrow Please note that in this video we will be following the guidelines used at Boston Children's Hospital. Some of this information may need to be modified based on the equipment, guidelines, and practices in place in your institution. Hi, I'm Deb Morrow, a staff nurse three and the infection prevention coordinator for the cardiovascular intensive care unit at Children's Hospital Boston. Introduction. The number one intervention for preventing the spread of infectious agents in healthcare settings is careful hand hygiene by doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers. It is estimated that 80% of the transmission of infectious agents in the healthcare setting is by the hands of doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers. It is important to remember that infectious agents can survive on hands for a few minutes to more than an hour. And these survival times clearly demonstrate the need for careful hand hygiene. However, multiple studies have shown that hand hygiene compliance among healthcare workers is low worldwide, ranging from 36 to 48 percent. When doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers are asked why they do not wash their hands, they often say that they lack education on the importance of hand hygiene or they do not know when to perform hand hygiene. Hand hygiene products or sinks are located far away from patient care. They may not like the hand hygiene products due to odor, allergies, or skin irritation. They are too busy or the patient is too sick for them to stop and perform hand hygiene or they simply forget. World Health Organization Initiatives Therefore, the World Health Organization has made improving hand hygiene the focus of its program to reduce healthcare-associated infections. Hand hygiene means clean your hands using antiseptic soap and clean water or an alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Hand hygiene compliance not only protects patients, it protects doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers. For more than 15 years, the World Health Organization has recommended the use of alcohol-based hand sanitizers as the primary form of hand hygiene in healthcare settings. Alcohol-based hand sanitizers have been shown to remove organisms more effectively, require less time, and cause less skin irritation 
than hand washing with soap and water. Soap and water should always be used when hands are visibly soiled, the patient has Clostridium difficile or another infection caused by spore-forming bacteria such as anthrax, before eating and after using the restroom. This World Health Organization poster shows the five moments for hand hygiene. Number one is before patient contact. Number two is before an aseptic task such as changing a dressing or touching an intravenous catheter. Number three is after exposure to body fluids. Number four is after patient contact. And number five is after contact with the patient's surroundings. Doctors, nurses, and other healthcare workers should also remember to perform hand hygiene when moving from a contaminated body site to a clean body site and before and after diaper changes, dressing changes, ostomy care, endotracheal tube suctioning, and oral hygiene. Doctors and nurses often forget that after stepping away from a patient and performing other tasks in the room, such as charting, they must clean their hands again before touching the patient. Other important aspects of hand hygiene are to dry your hands before patient contact. Moist hands transmit more microorganisms. If you use soap, it should be from a dispenser and the use of individual hand towels or either paper or cloth is recommended. If bar soap is used, it should be kept in a holder that allows it to dry in between uses. Fingernails should be kept short and artificial nails should not be worn by doctors, nurses, or other healthcare workers who take care of patients. Hand hygiene and the use of gloves was a large part of the teaching program here at Children's. Gloves do not provide complete protection against hand contamination. Therefore, the use of gloves does not replace the need for careful hand hygiene. Gloves can be contaminated when putting them on, and hands can be contaminated when removing dirty gloves. So hand hygiene is necessary before and after wearing gloves. Gloves should always be changed between patients and between contact with patient supplies or environment. Gloves should be worn for one procedure only and then changed. Do not reuse gloves. Culture of safety. There are four main components to creating a culture of safety in your hospital. Improving hand hygiene among doctors and nurses should be number one. But you also want to implement practice bundles to decrease the occurrence of device-associated infections, initiate quality improvement programs 
that will create policy and audit practice. And finally, improving team communication will assure that staff members are comfortable speaking up when correct practice is not observed. Culture of safety, improve hand hygiene. Initiatives to reduce infection and improve patient safety are important, but changing practice is a difficult task. Therefore, establishing a culture of safety within your hospital is paramount to the success of the initiatives to reduce infection. Forming a multidisciplinary hand hygiene team will promote acceptance of practice changes. Team members should include doctors, nurses, infection control experts, hospital leadership, and other hospital staff. Evaluate barriers to hand hygiene compliance and address areas to be improved. Is the hospital able to provide a reliable supply of hand hygiene products? The World Health Organization recommends that there be a minimum of one sink for every 10 beds with soap and disposable towels at every sink. Are hand hygiene products available where patient care takes place? Alcohol hand sanitizer at every bed space is the ideal situation. You should allow staff to evaluate and choose their hand hygiene products. Education will be the biggest factor in your success. Infection control experts should educate hand hygiene teachers who will educate remaining staff on why hand hygiene is important and when it is necessary. The World Health Organization provides many educational materials on their website. You should also educate staff to speak up in a professional manner when hand hygiene is not performed. Culture of Safety Implement Practice Bundles The second component to create a culture of safety is to implement bundles of care. A bundle is a combination of evidence-based practices which will improve patient outcomes when followed by every member of the healthcare team. Bundles to prevent catheter-associated bloodstream infections, surgical site infections, urinary tract infections, and ventilator-associated pneumonia will be reviewed in upcoming videos. Culture of Safety, Initiate Quality Improvement Programs. The development of quality improvement programs are the third area necessary to create a culture of safety, and these programs should develop policies for the insertion and care of catheters. Catheters should only be placed and cared for by trained personnel. Implement audits to assess whether practice follows policy. And it is important to share the results of these audits with staff. And provide education on infection prevention for all doctors and nurses. In the last 10 years, Implementing quality improvement programs has reduced infection rates so successfully that healthcare associated infections 
are now considered a medical error in the United States. Many government programs and private insurance companies in the United States and Europe are not reimbursing hospitals for the costs related to healthcare-associated infections. Culture of safety, improve team communication. The final component to create a culture of safety is to improve communication among members of the healthcare team by creating an environment where every member of the team feels comfortable expressing their concerns in a professional manner. The typical medical-nursing relationship is very hierarchical, with nursing reporting up the chain of command. Some nurses are hesitant to voice their concerns, opinions, and knowledge which can compromise patient safety. It may be necessary to introduce communication training and team-building skills for both doctors and nurses to effectively empower staff because every staff member has a moral responsibility to intervene and halt a procedure if safety is being compromised. Strategies to improve communication will be presented in a future lecture. This recording is a production of Open Pediatrics, a free and open access resource for pediatric clinicians worldwide. For more pediatric care materials or to join our global community, please visit our website at openpediatrics.org.